Halashing for Halas? Want to bry or fine dine? Stay tuned to High FM on 101.9. Join Adrian Bagatti for Essen Fresen, Tuesday mornings from 11am, where it's all about the food. Good morning and welcome to the SN Fresen Show. I'm Adrian Bugatti, your host. And today on my show, I have nutritionist Kayla Gishin. Before we get into meeting Kayla and everything, I just wanted to remind people that if you've got comments or suggestions, questions or topics you think we should cover, let us know via Telegram on 061-895-1019. You can SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at 150, or you can send an email to onair at highfm.com. So Kayla, welcome to the Essen Fresen Show. Thank you for having me. Kayla is a nutritionist. So the first question I'm going to ask is for people out there who don't know the difference, a dietitian versus a nutritionist. Is there a difference? What is the difference? How does it work? To break it down very simply, dietitians and nutritionists both work with helping people uh, in terms of what they eat, how much they're eating, their portion controls, and so on. The main difference in South Africa is that dietitians are registered with the Health Professions Council of South Africa and nutritionists are not. So to become a dietitian, you have to specifically study a four-year degree, and that can only be done at the University of Korea or at the University of Cape Town. However, if you want to go into nutrition, which is slightly different, and I will explain that now, mm. you can complete a master's degree in um, nutrition or public health, um, or you can do a bachelor's degree in food science, and that can be completed at University of Victoria, also UCT. Um, yeah, so essentially the main difference between the two of them is that dietitians can work with unwell people, so people with medical conditions, and they have the ability to uh, diagnose medical conditions, whereas nutritionists will work more with healthy people in terms of helping them to adapt their lifestyle if they want to look to become a little bit healthier. They're the ones who also like work with athletes in terms of like increasing their calories and to help with sports performance. Nutritionists also focus on a more like, holistic view um, where we also look at the type of exercise you're doing your stress levels your sleep levels and and that sort of thing so somebody who's generally healthy but would like to say improve or if what about somebody like who's not sick there's nothing wrong they just underweight would a nutritionist work with that kind of person or are you looking more at I'm not sure how to put it like more at healthy people just staying healthy Yes. So I would definitely recommend uh, you reaching out to a nutritionist just in terms of, you know, if there's nothing medically wrong, you'd like to put on a bit of weight, you'd like to lose a little weight, you'd like to improve your sports performance. However, I would like to reiterate that if you do have a medical condition, Mm. um, you know, if there's anything specifically wrong as to why you are underweight or whatever it is, I would definitely suggest going to see a dietitian for that. Okay, yeah. So that's great. So with a nutritionist, okay, like obviously my favorite topic is meal planning. You guys are going to give a meal plan and you know help people sort of eat a better eat better without sort of focusing on any specific conditions. So you're not going to say give a meal plan for somebody with an inflammatory disease. You would give a meal plan for somebody who wants to just 
improve or keep their general health well? I swear by meal plans. I love them. I use them I plan out the entire week for my family. It's the mm-hmm. best. Um, it also helps to keep your healthy habits in check. You know, you're making sure that you're going to have that protein. You're going to have those vegetables at every meal. And it just helps to keep like a nice routine, keeps those healthy habits. Like you can also like plan for when you're meal planning, which is the best thing about it, is that you know you're getting the good things. You can like, you know, spare a little bit, like you can have a chocolate, life's too short to deny yourself from those things. And what I really like about nutritionists is that they look at things holistically, like I said. So Mm. you can work from like a calorie counting perspective. And I know that that is quite like a main method that dietitians use. But it's also looking at like holistically, like food is meant to bring you joy. You are not meant to just eat food because it's supposed to fill you. You're supposed to have your food, you enjoy it, you eat it with your family. And I think definitely meal planning helps to, you know, set that up and like Hmm. keep you organized and and yeah. People who know me, they know I'm big into meal planning. Like it's like everything, including my breakfast, is planned. So, yes. so that that's an important thing that that people need to understand that it doesn't matter whether you're at the dietitian as a nutritionist or doing it yourself or following Atkins or one of these diets you're going to get a meal plan because meal planning keeps you focused on your goals yes and the reason yes why you've paid the money to go to the dietitian or the nutritionist or the the I don't yeah. know whatever the, the health food store or you've bought the book on dieting or whatever um I think that's an important thing and I think that is one of the I don't know if you remember I mean Weight Watchers it was one of their most successful things yeah is they had the, the diet and I mean the food was amazing um I can remember my mother being on it a hundred years ago maybe <laughs> maybe I'm not that old but I do remember that they were making these meals and I, because I wasn't eating exactly the amounts that were on the diet plan I actually put on weight because they were so <laughs> carefully like planned um yes know. very carefully measured yeah, yeah. And, and weighing things and so that's not for me anyway are they still using the plate method where it's um it was like half the plate was your protein and a quarter was your starch and a quarter was your veg or has that plate gone out the window and they're using pyramids of course it's a vegetables mm. it is so widely taught it's the mm. american dietary association mm. that it's it's quite a like a standardized tool to use and it's it's I think it's implemented because it's quite an easy thing for people to follow. You kind of like have your plate and you know that your protein has to fit around there. Mm. Um, I do know food pyramids are used, but um, in my experience, I think the plates rule is just, it's just easy for people. Yeah. It's very easy to follow. You can kind of use your eyes to guide mm. w- what you need to put on the plate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so that's an important thing. When you're looking at protein, say, which we'll talk about just now, I wanted your idea, like not only animal protein, but vegetable protein as well. I'd like to know a little bit more about like, what kind of field of nutrition would you like, are there specific fields like nutritionists who specifically work with this kind of person or specifically work with that kind? Are there different fields in nutrition? Or is that just? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So 
Um, it's quite a broad field, um, but you can kind of specialize more into where you're interested in. So um, the way that we've kind of learned it and we've discussed it over like my degree and everything is nutrition can be divided into life stages. And depending on where you're interested in, you can like focus more on seeing more like children. So like through their growth years or, you know, older adults, you know, they, they also have like specific unique mm. uh, dietary needs or even a woman in pregnancy so I would love to complete a lactation course in the future and you know really help those women like during breastfeeding there's quite a, a there are a couple of new fields within nutrition at the moment there's the growing field of nutrigenomics mm-hmm. which is fascinating that's really like taking a more objective view on things because you now are looking overall at a person's genetics and you're mm. applying that to how they, they they eat so it's very like specific to a person which is fascinating but you can more or less specify on where you're interested in in terms of life stages for nutrition you're listening to the sm Fresen show with adrian bugatti and my guest kayla gishin halashing for halas want to braai or fine dine Stay tuned to High FM on 101.9. Join Adrian Bugatti for SN Fresen Tuesday mornings from 11 a.m. where it's all about the food. Welcome back. I'm Adrian Bugatti and we've been talking to Kayla Gishin all about nutritionists and how they can help you. Okay, so you were talking about the genetics of dieting and eating and what's good for it. Here's a weird one. Is there anything like Um, I can remember there was that book where it was eating for your blood group or something. Personal opinion, I don't um, necessarily believe in that eating for your blood type. Yeah. However, <laughs> it is kind of um, similar to, to that idea in that like you, you're using something specific to a person to help them, mm. uh, you know, with their unique dietary needs. Oh. So it's essentially, yeah, <laughs> they essentially we'll look at certain markers on your DNA. So you'll do a mm. genetics test and they'll look at certain things. They'll be able to tell you your caffeine metabolism, for example. Okay. Um, you know, some people just don't tolerate caffeine. So mm. that's literally because of your genetics. So in just general terms, definitely not just looking at only like the nutritional contents of food labels. It's also looking at like what the ingredients are. So you generally want to try and avoid foods that are like heavily processed or have quite a lot of preservatives that can cause like inflammation within the body. There's certain things that like you can also look out for. So like things with a very high salt content would maybe like avoid things with a high saturated fat content, which is the, the not so good fats. I would mm. also avoid or, or kind of like try and minimize that because it's very, very easy to say, okay, you, you must just avoid this. But like in reality, It's completely different like to try and cut out something like all together certain things if you look for like on certain foods they have those labels like i'm sure you've seen the cancer label and um, mm. the heart association label so those products have to go through very specialized testing and they have to like apply to be able to use this label and those labels means that the food has like health benefits so in terms of like the heart label like if you see it on margarine it's, it's beneficial for, for your cardiovascular health so now i'm going to ask you a little bit of a controversial question um and it's something i have been <laughs> arguing with for a while these diabetic sweets what do you think you know you get these diabetic sweets or you get these peanut butter with less sugar but then people don't look to see the fat content <laughs> on the, the less sugar part. yes so how do you feel yes. about that explain why they are not good A lot of these things that people have to understand is that they're 
they're marketing ploys to try and get you to buy these these kinds of foods. Because if you see something that has no sugar, like the reduced sugar, as you said, with peanut butter, you're not necessarily looking for the, the fat content. Or you see something that's low fat, but then you're not looking at like how much carbohydrates there is in it. It's definitely something people need to be aware of, just in terms of what you really want to get out of your food. Like if you are, you know, watching your cholesterol, um, okay, you can go for something that's not low sugar, but just check the fat content. Or, you know, if you're diabetic. You're listening to the Essence Freshness Show with Adrian Bugatti and my guest, Kayla Geshen. If you have any comments or suggestions, questions or topics that you think we should cover, let us know via Telegram on 061-895-1019. SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. Or you can send us an email to onair at highfm.com. Chalashin for chalas? Want to braai or fine dine? Stay tuned to High FM on 101.9. Join Adrian Bagatti for SN Fresen, Tuesday mornings from 11 a.m., where it's all about the food. Welcome back. You are listening to Adrian Bagatti, and I have my guest, Kayla Gishin, is a nutritionist with a whole lot of other degrees. Too long to list. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, doesn't have enough time on her hands because she's also a, a <laughs> foray instructor. And I see you do stuff with your mom who does Pilates and all the that Pilates, kind of thing. Pilates, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so I see you're a busy person. Obviously, don't <laughs> like to sit still. In terms of nutrition, what kind of, like we were talking about looking at the fat content and the sugar content you know, versus like which, which way to look at food. So for me, and I think a lot of people agree that the diabetic sweets and stuff will maybe have no sugar, but they've got a huge fat content. And people often forget that the fat is also not healthy. And then I know with the sweeteners, especially the diabetic sweets, if you get carried away with them, they can, up, they can like upset your stomach. Because of the sweetener, I think it's got a di- um, it can cause diarrhea. It's I'm a diuretic, yeah. So that's an important thing. But I want to ask about like foods that you tend to, to gravitate towards as being your food of choice in a healthy, nutritional, tr- nutritionally balanced diet, whether you're a sports person or just an average Joe. Is there any specific <laughs> ingredients that you really love to use first things first and i know a lot of people have heard otherwise carbs are not your enemy they are an essential (laughs) essential part of um the way your body works it's actually you know your brain needs carbohydrates to function and so i i especially really love um kind of using like an integration of everything within my meals so Hmm. Uh, I'm actually a vegetarian. Okay, great. Yeah, I definitely, definitely, definitely recommend animal proteins. Whatever stage of life you're in, whether you are a child, you're a teenager, you're growing, whether you're an older adult, everyone needs that protein because Mm. they're like those Lego blocks. They're they're the building blocks of the body. They help to fix things. So um, I I definitely recommend, um, even if you're just getting it for lunch and dinner, just having a source of protein um there are so Mm. many options out there for vegetarians um otherwise i mean if you're a meat eater (laughs) chicken fish that's so so perfect yeah and i also really really like to add like some starch or some like carbs within the meal because then that also helps to keep you full of longer and you don't crash mid-afternoon and be like okay i I need that chocolate (laughs) 
but they're like two different kinds of carbs. There's the, the complex carbs, which are better for your body than the simple carbs, sort of like a the Durham wheat pasta as opposed to a white bread. Is that right? So so more what the difference between like the white white bread versus like the, the whole wheat pasta or that sort of thing, it's talking about more the GR like okay. content, the glycemic index. Right. And basically in simple terms, it's it's how long it's going to keep you full. It's how long it's going to keep your blood sugar level stable before it kind of lowers again, it dips and then tells you to that you're hungry again, you need to eat something. Yeah. So things with a low GR, so like more of the, the whole wheat, um, the raw products, those kind of things will keep you fuller for longer because it keeps your glycemic index keeps your mm. glucose levels more stable than um something like a white bread or something like that i'm also a car i can't say i'm a carb lover but i'm not <laughs> giving them up um <laughs> no <laughs> not anytime soon yeah no no and in my house uh, protein is not an issue they are very big eat meat eaters monday is for most of them in this house very tough because it is my vegan day so on a monday i do oh, vegan oh not vegetarian. Um, you know it's that meat-free monday that's how it started and then i thought to challenge yes. myself find the vegan dishes that are going to fill the nutritional needs which is a little bit more difficult if you're not a vegan um because you have to concentrate you have to think people you know and that was my challenge to myself was to find the the balance of the food that was absolutely 100 vegan because vegan and vegetarian is not the same. So what kind of proteins would you, I mean, as a ve vegetarian, you obviously are eating eggs and milk and cheese, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So okay. vegetarians, um, they're kind of nowadays, it's not, it's not just like a, a vegetarian as like an umbrella term. They're kind of broken mm. down into pesco vegetarians. So yeah. vegetarians that will always eat fish, lacto-vegetarians, vegetarians that will have like dairy products and ovo-vegetarians who will also have egg products. In terms of if you are like vegan, for example, and you don't like to have those um, like animal-based products, mm. there is there's quite a lot that you can have um, to kind of like supplement that protein. You can have like a lot of tofu, a little bit of soya, chickpeas, mm. legumes, lentils, all, all those kind of things can like add up to give you that protein that's necessary for your body despite not eating like animal-based products right okay and then the question is and I, i'm not sure if if this is something as a nutritionist that is part of your field is the question of soy a lot of people have there's this controversy about boys eating too much soya product is there like you know anything based on that genetically or is it just you know something somebody came up with there is some scientific um, truth to back that. To explain it simply, um, soy, like soy products, they have isoflavones. And right. basically, they, those kind of compounds contain estrogenic properties. Okay. And as we all know, estrogen is like a female kind of hormone. Yeah. And what happens is that um, if you get too much estrogen, like especially for males, it can cause like um, gynecomastia, uh, okay. that sort of thing. Like they, they actually have an overload of too many like female hormones okay. when they're not not necessarily supposed to. Just to wrap it up, uh, too much soy, too much of anything is, is not a good thing. Obviously. So too much soya, yes. <laughs> Um, even in women, it can bind to estrogen receptors and it, it can cause like 
some health problems. But again, moderation is key in these things. Don't mm. swear off soya just because of <laughs> you've heard these horror stories. Yeah. Looking at the different types of, let's say, um, milk substitutes. So you've got the soy milk, you've got the oat milk, you've got the almond milk, rice milk. I think I saw another one the other day, but I can't remember what it was. Is there one that's better than the other or is it like personal preference? I know my daughter is lactose intolerant and she will not have the soy milk. She says it tastes terrible. She says the almond milk's not great, (laughs) but it's tolerable as long as it's Um, Yeah. Uh, maybe she should try oat milk. I know oat milk's quite a, a winner with a lot mm-hmm. of people who choose those milk alternatives. Mm. But I think ultimately at the end of the day, it, it comes down to your preference, you know, and allergies. Like obviously mm. don't have any nut-based milk if you're allergic to, yeah, to nuts. Yeah, no, almond milk is out if you've got a nut allergy. So so that's, that's quite an important thing to remember. Um, and then... Looking at the cheese, I don't know if this is something you would know, but we've been talking a lot recently. Um, Somebody who is lactose intolerant is finding that they're able to eat the cheese nowadays is or certain cheeses is that cause a lot of the lactose has been removed from cheese to make it sort of almost I don't know you can't call it sugar free, but I suppose sugar free because lactose is the milk sugar. Or is that not something in your field? Again, it also comes down to the person who's lactose intolerant, what their actual tolerance is. Because these cheeses, the variety of cheeses, um, will also have different like dairy contents. Yeah. And some people can tolerate maybe like a low-fat cottage cheese, and mm. whereas other people cannot. So yeah. obviously, <laughs> if you can find those lactose-free or, you know, lactose removed like products those would be best but it, it also could like come down to portion size you know mm. if you're eating like a lot of that specific cheese it just it you know might not agree with you but maybe you can tolerate something like smaller yeah so i just want to remind people that lactose intolerance is very different to a dairy allergy which is a casein allergy and that is the actual milk product itself lactose intolerance is the intolerance to the sugar enzyme in dairy products so just for people to be clear of that did I explain that right yes okay yeah (laughs) just so people understand um so if if I'm looking at a block of say cheddar cheese and it says sugars from I think carbohydrates from sugars or something like that and it's got zero grams yeah yeah so that would mean that it's actually got a lactose it's almost lactose free it's almost lactose free yes okay so so that's well, I know um, Tuss's is definitely because it has zero. And if I'm not, I can't remember which other one. I must admit I don't buy. I know cream cheese is not. I would avoid the, the full cream, full dairy products. Yeah. Anything like that will just, yeah. it will, will not agree with, definitely with you. Definitely anything yeah. that says cream in it is, is kind of off limits. Yeah, it's, just, um, it's a no-go. Yeah. So, so that's the thing that always fascinates me. Um, I think it's changing now, but at one stage, and I think it still is, France has got the lowest obesity rate in the world, as far as I remember. It might have changed with Western culture moving all over across the globe. I know it changed in Japan and China where they were introduced to fast foods and takeout. But one of the things that I found fascinating um, about the French is, I mean, they're eating these meals that are heavy in creams and all the things that we get told absolute no-nos. I don't know if there's a 
if it's their genetics or if it's the way they eat. I know they take their meals very seriously. And even <laughs> a meal for a single person is set down at a table and they focus on the food. They don't do something, they don't read or watch TV. Yes. It is the meal itself. Does that really work? Like you sit down to the meal with the purpose of eating your meal, not reading your book while you're eating or watching a movie while you're eating. Or so playing on your I phone. think what, yeah, what the French have really got down is the mindfulness around eating. Mm. Because yeah. if you are eating and you're focusing on what you're taking into your body, you are aware of your portion sizes. You know, you really like have much more of that awareness. You know, mm. like I've done that sometimes, you know, like you're so busy, you're checking your emails, yeah. you kind of like scoff your food down. And you're still hungry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you, your brain hasn't quite caught up with the fact that, okay, you've, you've been, you're eating. So yeah. I definitely, definitely think mindfulness around food should try to be like in, introduced, like even in small doses, it makes the hugest difference. You also enjoy your food more um, mm. and, and you slow down because I mean, especially people like us people in Joburg, we're always yeah. on the go, always Absolutely. going to the next thing, the next thing. So yeah. it also, it just gives you that, like that, that, that moment to just like slow down to like really like acknowledge what you're doing, really know like you're fueling your body. So mm. yeah. Okay. And then you were saying like it takes your brain a little while to catch up. So I can vaguely remember, I don't know where I heard it, that it says if you want seconds, if you're still hungry and you want a second helping, you should wait 10 to 15 minutes before having the second helping because generally by that time your brain is now caught up and it'll actually tell you if you're really hungry or if you, you know, if you've had enough food. Is this like any fact in it or is it like just a thing to stop people going back <laughs> for seconds? Firstly, I always, always believe, listen to your body. You know, mm -hmm. if you've had a long day, you're hungry, you want that second portion, go for that second portion. But that, mm. that does hold some time to like um, backing towards that. If you, you think about it, you're passing a message on to someone, it's going to take a while for that message to mm. get to the person that it needs to. So it, it does everything your body works on signals. And once your stomach is full, you need to that to send a signal to your brain to tell you, okay, we're full, we don't need to produce any more hormones that tell us we're hungry and that sort of thing. There is truth to it, but again, don't deny yourself if you are still hungry, like, you know. <laughs> so more like also related to like the level of hungriness, they actually have like a scale for that. Oh. Um, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's very interesting. It's kind of like rated from like, you know, okay, you kind of like peckish to, you know, you're absolutely ravenous, you're absolutely starving. Um, yeah. And I think we need to learn to be more in tune with, with our hunger and like actually understand whether it's like, okay, I'm bored. I just want to like eat a little bit more or like, okay, I actually need to eat because I haven't had much food today or something like that. Okay. And the truth behind sometimes that the body can't tell the difference between and hunger, anything to that? You're doing your body a service. Um we definitely just in general don't drink enough water during the day. Um, mm. So drink that glass of water, kind of suss yeah. out your body where you're feeling, if you're still feeling ravenous, go for it. Um, mm. More often than not, you're probably just thirsty. Okay, yeah. I have a problem with the water. Do not like yeah. the taste of water. I do not. Um, I don't like the taste of sparkling water or plain water. So for me, it's got to be a bit flavored and I'm having a problem now with the sugar taxes, everything's got the sweetener in and I'm finding there's an aftertaste. Is there a better way to, is there a way to get in the water that you're supposed to? If you're, I'm not thirsty, I don't get thirsty. Um, 
they laugh at me how often I land up having <laughs> to reheat my tea because I forget that it's even there because I don't get thirsty. Like, I know that's bad. I know it can cause kidney <laughs> issues and all that kind of thing. But how do you get people to drink who are like me? They don't like the taste of water. It's the kind of case where you don't like the taste of water. Um, you always can add certain things like mint, a um, little bit of blueberries, uh, like that sort of thing to try and like enhance the flavoring. Um, I'm not the biggest fan, like you said, like of those those artificial sweeteners and yeah. that sort of thing. I think obviously terrible. water would be best. Yeah, mm. they taste terrible as well. They 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 yeah, they're just not great. Um mm. but if it's also a case of, of never getting around to drinking water, um, you mm. can also like what people kind of forget as well is you can get water from from your tea. When you drink tea, you get water from like very water-heavy kind of foods, you eat a lot of celery. You have like watermelon, like any sort of those melons. You're also getting water from that. Okay. Um, but if it's a case of not like remembering to drink it, keep a water bottle next year. Just just have it there in the open. You see it and you'll remember it. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what I always tell people. I get plenty of water. It's in my tea. It's in my cold drink. It's in my soup. It's in my <laughs> cucumber. Um, <laughs> so, that is a thing. So this is fascinating. And I could to you for ages... Because you understand, uh, besides nutrition, how the human body works and the genetics behind it and all that kind of thing. So I definitely am going to have you on again so that we can look into other aspects of that. But the thing I want to know is, well, I'll get to that now. Um, I just want to remind people that they are listening to the Essence Presence Show. And I am Adrian Bugatti, your host. And uh, my guest today is... Kayla Gishon, who is a doing her master's in nutrition or human nutrition. My daughter thought it was very funny when I said human nutrition. I said, but there is such a thing as dog nutrition. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it, I just want to remind people that if, if they've got any comments or suggestions, questions or topics you think we should cover, let us know via Telegram on 61 SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. And you can send us an email to onair at highfm.com. Chalashing for chalas? Want to bry or fine dine? Stay tuned to High FM on 101.9. Join Adrian Bagatti for SN Fresen Tuesday mornings from 11 a.m., where it's all about the food. Welcome back. I'm Adrian Bugatti, and this is the Essence Presence Show. And my guest today has been Kayla Gishon. So we've been talking about like getting fluids in and about the difference between nutrition and dietetic and all those kind of things. Somebody who is relatively healthy as far as they know, they've been to the doctor and the doctor says, you know, just for your joints. Um, I know we have that a lot, you know, uh, carrying weight on, on your joints can uh you know, carrying weight can affect your joints quite badly. And just by losing a bit of weight, you suddenly stop getting knee and ankle pain or hip pain or back pain because you've reduced the weight load on them. Would that be somebody who would come to you? There's nothing actually wrong with them. Just to feel better, they need to lose weight. I definitely recommend as well seeing... Um like a fitness instructor or someone who's very familiar with exercise because this is the kind of thing where it's not necessarily just tackled through your diet alone. It's also yeah. 
strengthening the muscles around the joints. It's like losing that weight and just becoming stronger overall, which will help to improve your your like your health and well-being. I think generally if people are starting to do quite a lot of exercise because they want to get healthy, I think it's a good idea to obviously see a nutritionist or, or a dietitian because when you're exercising, depending on the kind of exercise, would also change how much food you need to have. And, you know, whereas as opposed to, say, somebody who's sitting behind a desk or at a computer all day um, doing data capture is going to have a different requirement to, say, a teacher who's standing but not necessarily physically active a lot. They're just walking around. And then you've got somebody who is a sports person who is going doing cardio at least three times a week, that kind of thing. So, you know, what kind of like changes would people make if they're moving from the sedentary lifestyle into a more active lifestyle as they get going? Your daily intake uh, of like calories is very dependent on your level of sedentarism. Mm. So if you are, um, you know, someone who doesn't like you does like kind of office work and you're now moving towards like a lot more gymming and that sort of thing, mm. you will need to increase your daily like total calories. Yeah. But what I think a lot of people kind of miss is that they will go for an intense exercise session, burn 200, 300 calories and be like, cool, I'm going to go have some chocolate cake, reward myself after that. <laughs> it's very much having to be aware of what you are like refueling your body with afterwards mm. so you know again going back to that low gi like conversation we had yeah. you know having a piece of low gi bread a little bit of peanut butter after like an intense exercise session a banana just helps to like keep you you know you satisfied your levels are satisfied you're not going to feel ravenous after an exercise session you're not going to feel exhausted because you've like burnt up all those reserves you can increase your caloric um like intake uh you know once you like you in increasing your activity levels but just being more mindful of the kind of foods that you you are increasing your intake with. Yeah, I'm definitely the kind where I've burned 300 calories. It's now time for chocolate. That is a, a kind of thing. Um, the other thing that, that fascinates me is the, the discussion of when do you eat if you're exercising? So do you eat like, say, an apple before you exercise? Or can you exercise straight after your meal? Is there like you know, are you going to be burn calories faster or, or, or not? I know exercising, like if you do a lot of cardio after a big meal, chances are you're going to throw it all up. But I'm just talking yeah. about in terms of keeping the energy levels during your cardio workout. So um, again, it's also very dependent on the type of person, what time you're exercising, the intensity of exercise, that sort of thing. But generally, before you exercise, I would definitely say have, you know, like, like a protein-based thing. There's a few protein powders that are really good to use. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely say have something before exercising. Otherwise, you don't have that energy to like give that workout your all. You're not going to feel like it's beneficial because you're too tired to do anything. But obviously, like you said, don't go don't go crazy don't go to think yeah. like a 10 kilometer run straight after having dinner but again it's very much about listening to your body um you know really giving yourself what you need and yeah and then, then a question about cardio workouts so person is overweight i mean i've seen it i've, I've had a pay oh, i had a guy i was teaching first aid i was teaching cpr and i was teaching people to put them in recovery position and i couldn't reach across the guy he was that large to get his other arm i had to walk around him he was huge but then we did his pulse rate and his heart rate i almost had a heart attack 
it's like 48, which is like athlete sure. level. And yeah. I was just saying, this is a, he was a huge man, but he's doing cardio because he swims every single day. So, you know, when you're looking at cardio workout, it also depends on the type of cardio workout you're doing, whether it's going to increase your metabolism or just improve your heart health. Is yes. that right? Yes. I think a lot of people also tend to forget that you shouldn't just be doing cardio. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things like strength training that's so vital to helping people lose weight to like strengthen themselves um, mm. that, you know, you just think you're running two times a week and you're good to go. Yes. Yes. I think, uh, and it's, it's your body sort of kind of gets used to that level of cardio and it goes, well, I'm not burning any more calories. Uh, I'm done already. It, you know, so you've got to change it up a bit. And, and when, when you're talking to somebody who loses weight um, and it, this is probably, we're going to run out of time. So I'm definitely going to have you back to talk about like, you know, that plateau that people get to, they lose weight. So they lose the first five kilos, no problem. And then they hit a plateau. Is that a common thing? Is it because your body's getting used to dieting? What is it? It's, it's a very common thing. Um, it's something that they've done a lot of studies on, like a lot of scientific studies. What they found is that there's, there's a set point range that your body is comfortable at that you know within plus minus maybe two three kilos that your, your body wants to stay at there's a whole bunch of like physiological processes that go into it yeah to spare mm. the the complexities and the, the details of it when that kind of happens uh people kind of like have to take a step back take a break from dieting maybe change up your exercise a little bit you know give your body like something different you know mm. something different from that routine that you're not necessarily used to and you know try to like kickstart that that kind of like process again okay so that makes sense and obviously age plays quite a, a big role in being able to lose weight um because you often hear of couples going we're eating the same thing but his weight is gone and i'm stuck it's a bit unfair in that way that men their metabolic processes are just it's so much faster than women they they lose weight a lot easier than women um yeah <laughs> That's just the physiological way of things. Okay. And then obviously age plays an important role in your metabolism. You know, the younger you are, the faster you're. In general, in general, it's this is a very generalized statement for me to make. Yes. That the younger yeah. you are, the faster your metabolism is. But we're seeing huge spike in, I think South Africa is number three, in obese children under the age of 12. Yes. You know, that, that's a misnomer. I think that's also because... Even the kids nowadays are leading very sedentary lives because everything's on yes, a tiny little screen. That's a huge factor. So yeah. I want to say thank you, Kayla, for coming on. And we will definitely have you back regularly because this has been absolutely fascinating. I've learned so much. I mean, what I learned about nutrition was before you were born. And um, I mean, I try to keep up, but everything keeps changing every time I look around. You know, it's, it's very hard for me to look at some of the diets. My, my dear poor nursing heart goes, really? That doesn't sound healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound right. So that's the kind of thing. I mean, I can remember learning that if for a diabetic, if the sugar was in the first three ingredients, of a product they could not have it and now it's kind of changed they're now looking more at fat than the sugar and i don't know i've just lost track of everything so <laughs> so yeah. we definitely lots to talk about in the future thank you so much for coming on the show um and it's a pleasure to the people who've been listening to our chat and and 
hopefully getting some insight into lifestyle changes. This is Adrian Bugatti from the SM Freshness Show. Once again, my guest was Kayla Gishin. And a reminder that if you have any suggestions, comments, or topics that you'd like us to cover, please let us know via Telegram on 061-895-1019. You can SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. Or you can send us an email to onair at highfm.com.